0: Mm-hmm. Welcome to our promised post runoff po- podcast. I'm your host, Marple, and my co-host, Karen. Lee. Well, Karen, it's a sunny eighty-one degrees here in Georgia. What's it like in Ohio? Uh,
1: it is overcast, dull, sad, drab-looking, and like at least it's like fifty. So it's a little okay. warmer than earlier
0: this week. So, well, that's good. 81 is a little for uh, December eighth anywhere, uh, other than, unless maybe Hawaii or somewhere down in South America or Australia or something. Eighty-one seems way out of whack. So we'll we'll see. The next week we're supposed to get back till we got some weather coming up. It's going to be nice to the weekend though. So we'll see what happens. It's a crazy time. You know. We promised to come back and talk after, the, after that runoff election. That's what we're going to do. It was hard to watch because it started out where Warnock had a huge, huge lead, but we knew that was from early vote. And we knew early vote has favored the Democrats from, from, from oh, forever since they've had the early vote. Uh, even though the early vote was limited. It was limited to a maximum of seven days. Some state, some areas only had six. But they had at least six days, they had had seven, and um, it was four weeks before, but no, no. So it was amazing. We had a record turnout for a runoff, and it was only a few less than people who voted in the primary election. Again, it was hard to watch. But in the end, and we'll talk more specifics about it as we're going along here, but Reverend Warnock prevailed winning about 3% more votes.
1: Thank God it's it amen it was scary watching that even though i don't live in georgia but you know who who gets elected to the senate in each state matters to everybody you know either way and mm-hmm. like it, it if he if senator warnock had lost it would have been the same as the last congress but to have that extra seat would have been, would be nice either way but just for me he just seems like somebody like we talked about the other day that works across the aisle and is focused on Americans in general, not protecting the rich, not protecting anybody, just protecting everybody and working for everybody. And I think somebody like that is what exactly what we need in government.
0: Oh, for sure. And one of the nice things that we watched his, his uh, uh, victory speech, if you want, and one of the things he said, he said he's here for every Georgian, whether they voted for him or not. He's going to be there, and he says, I see you. I see, what, see you, I understand you, I'm going to do go right back to work tomorrow, meaning yesterday, and, and, and start working for all Georgians. And I think, you know, I don't think, had Walker won, he would have said this anyway, the same thing. I will grant this, that Walker, for the first five minutes of his concession speech, sounded the most intelligent he sounded in this entire election. However, he said the same thing four times over the next 20 minutes. So really, he kind of took away what he had accomplished in the first five minutes. Crazy time.
1: I read something yesterday from about, it was an article about his son that posts a lot on social media that said that initially that Walker didn't want to run. That Trump kept calling him and almost demanding that he run. And that's essentially why he chose to run. Now, I don't know how true that is, but... That's an interesting point to consider as well. It's like Trump went shopping for somebody that he could put in Georgia and have that vote. And, and you know, I don't th- I think they wanted Walker specifically because he's not political, specifically because it's not anything he's ever dealt with. I think they wanted somebody that they thought would just sit there and vote on the R side every time and they would mm-hmm. tell him vote this, vote this, vote for this, vote against this. And i think that's what they were trying to do
0: they did and, and they thought they could use a georgia hero now one of the interesting things is i've le- read more into it uh and not everybody is going to know this unless they, they know his more of his background but what happened was that uh, as, as as you know that uh, he won the uh walker won the heisman trophy in 1982 and he became part of a football team in the United States Football League, a team that Donald Trump owned. And he lured him with enough money away. So I think that you know, when he started my career, it became very lucrative for, for Walker. And I don't know if Walker felt he owed him to do this or not, whether he wanted to or not. But the family and friends said, don't do this. You're going to regret it. And then it turned out, well, we know what it turned out for him. It did not mean anything very good for him.
1: No, right. and, it, and you know, you said that and you reminded me of something really, it's going to sound like it's not related at all. I watched a documentary about a month or so ago about Jerry Falwell Jr. and all the scandal that happened around him. And one of the really interesting parts, so the interview, like the documentary mainly focuses on interviewing the the pool boy that was involved <laughs> with Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife. And this pool boy talks about how the Falwells introduced him to Trump a couple times. And one of the things he said the first time they met, Michael Cohen was with him. And he, Michael Cohen was kind of like, who's that? Like sniffing around. <laughs> and then there were pictures. And when it all came down to it, like, like Falwell was getting threatened with these pictures, they ended up being in Michael Cohen's possession. So towards the end of the documentary, it comes all the way back around with Trump calling Jerry Falwell Jr. or Michael, I think Michael Cohen did and said, hey, I saved you with these pictures and I'm going to tell you, Trump needs your endorsement. And if you don't give it to him, I possess these pictures. So it makes me wonder, going all the way back to Walker, what does Trump have on him? How did Trump line him up? to do something that everybody advised him not to do. There's something there from probably from the eighties that that made Walker feel like he had to fall in line. Maybe he had all the things that have come out since. I don't know. That's why I'm saying maybe he
0: did because there doesn't seem to be much more that could be that could be worse than what's happened on him between the violence and between abandoning his kids and, and threatening his wife and and his abortion conditions it is just it is a it was a crazy thing and you know they paid the price for it they paid the price for it but as it turned out it was is a good election and i think that we're we'll have a good and it has a lot of a lot of meaning for the whole country on this as you alluded to a little bit there about how it gives more power to the uh democrats in uh in congress so it really made a difference but the, uh, you know just finish up talking about the election itself it was hard to watch for the first hours we stayed up till almost midnight to watch the uh so we could see Warnock speech which was really good and then then we did go to bed at that time happy knowing we didn't have to wake up to wonder what what, what was going on and when we went to bed the, the lead was only like 58,000 votes. But they knew that there was quite a few more votes that come in from Cobb County particularly. And, and they knew then, of course, they had already told him, I uh, said that he was the winner, and, and everybody knew that it couldn't happen. Uh, also, I was reading today in Washington Post that uh, a lot of his staff, uh, uh, campaign staff, kind of got discouraged with Walker because they didn't say, say say he really put us all into running. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that that's what it is. But, you know, let, let's look at what this means for for the GOP in Georgia and other background states. What do you think? What do you think it means for Georgia that, that uh, you know, four elections Warnock. Came up the winner in all four elections. I had the the people would be they Kelly Lawler, be four, be a, Loeffler, be a four, be, uh, um on here Walker, but he, he survived four elections to get to where he is, and not too much in the primary.
1: I think, like I actually want to talk about it. I think both from the Democrat and the Republican side, I think that the the Democrats have found somebody to run for Senate that is willing to do what it takes to engage people to want to vote to want you know they want him to represent them he's not 80 years old and i think a lot of people on the democrats that are looking for younger candidates that are trustworthy but that haven't been in the system for decades and i think he checks that box and i think that i think that he is a good candidate for for black people and white people to want to vote for, because he's very well-spoken. He, I don't want to offend anybody, but he's not crazy liberal. You know, AOC is sort of on that side of crazy liberal. I feel like Warnock is on that moderate, like good for all the people, you know, there's these things that need to change, things that need to happen, but you're not like, oh, this guy's nuts. You know, and Mm -hmm. I think that that helps a lot. Like, there's something about him that feels approachable. Like, when you look at pictures of him, he just seems like that really cool college professor that, you know, will teach you. And I think what it means for the Republicans is they're in trouble. You know, Stacey Abrams has figured out how to motivate people to register, how to get out and vote. and, And I think that, with we're not getting elected a second time like he has i think that that is very gratifying for people that put in all this effort to vote mm-hmm. you know it was yeah. an ugly day and people were outside in the rain waiting to vote because they they felt i from what i've heard from a few people i know from georgia they felt an obligation they couldn't have walker like yeah, they, had to, they, they couldn't trust the system to eliminate Walker. So they had to get up and go vote in this runoff because they didn't want him. And I think that part, too, people that maybe wouldn't have voted if the Republicans had a halfway decent person, they've gone to this weird place of, like, pandering to this. I think it's a very small base, honestly, that is loud and is white and is racist and sexist and crazy QAnon. And, and they're pandering to people that want to believe that. And I think Georgia is sort of showing the way of like, hey, we don't have to be part of that. We can get ourselves out of this. And I I feel proud for Georgia and I feel proud for everybody that voted. You know, you and I talked a little bit before we started about voter suppression. And I told you that I had a story. Okay, so one let's of hear it. Friends from high- One of Kim's friends from high school, her husband and son, uh, her son's old enough to vote and he wasn't going to be able to vote. And her husband wasn't going to be able to vote because of work. So they had their absentee ballots and she said she would drop them off for them. Well, she went on Monday and was told by a woman there, sorry, we didn't put the ballot box out. It's illegal for it to be out today. The only place you can go is the board of elections to drop it off. And she was like, okay, okay. So then she goes to the board of elections because she's voting, like she's putting these votes in and she goes there. And this other person was like, no, it's too late. You came too late. And she's like, uh, this says that it'll be till, you know, six or whatever the time was. And the woman there was like, no, nope, mm -mm, it's too late. It will be out tomorrow from this time to this time. So my friend drives over there. You know, first thing in the morning when it's supposed to be open and the same exact woman tells her, I'm sorry, it's too late now. You can't vote absentee. And it was like, I don't know how she resolved it, but I know she got those votes in a ballot box somewhere. But it was like, are you kidding me? Like the same person told her less than 24 hours apart where she could come to drop those off the next day and then told her the next day, I'm sorry, no, you can't do that
0: yeah that's a problem that you have in some of these some of these places one of the things that Walker did was he underperformed himself he did worse this in the runoff than he did in the first election to the point of, of that uh, that Warnock had only been a little bit above one uh, percent above him at one and a half percent and he ended up with three percent and he and in, Republican areas he did not do as well as he had done in the election which was kind of a kind of interesting thing but you know you brought up earlier about Stacy Abrams Stacy Abrams is more of a danger to Republicans continuing the fair fight which is her her group in there um, not just what she does care about for the entire country and her 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 pulpit at that point if you want to call it that, is so powerful, if she was governor, she'd be tied up and doing all kinds of other things. So, I mean, it wasn't, even though she's lost twice to, to Kemp, thank God he, there's term limits and he's done after this this term, so they can't go in there. So, you know, she's done a lot, and uh, Reverend Warnock, Senator Warnock, mentioned her. As did a lot of people, a lot of talking heads from CNN and, and others, talked ta- about how important she was one of the other interesting points on there one of the panelists from the night and in the first thing in the morning too was our lieutenant governor who is not who did not run again and he was the one who we talked about on tuesday that went to the ballot and then and just put in a, a blank ballot and came back out and he was talking about how this changes things for republicans how they have to realize they need to go with and why they were so successful in Georgia, the Republicans generally in the in the election, was that they had candidates that were reasonable and could show that what they were doing and everything else. And that's why they were successful. So, yeah, it means something for the GOP. They have to realize they got to have the best candidates they can find. They can't be super right. They can't be completely they – they've got to be the moderate. They've got to, got to be the Louis Cheney conservatives. They've got to be people who are not going to be involved in the crazy conspiracies that everybody get. So it means a, a big thing for, for Georgia, for the Republican Party. They have to reestablish themselves, and they, they have to see this across the board in all the background states. Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, North Carolina, all of them on there. The Democrats did well at the national level. They did well at the national level. It's gonna create some issues. Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, I think another problem with the Republicans too, is they don't really have a platform. You know, like it's turned into like, we don't want what the left wants. And like that's always for me been a huge turnoff with anybody if your main goal is to not be someone else that's not very helpful to me who who are you and what do you stand for because i think that is where republicans can win independent voters and if you stand for there's these groups out there that steal children and eat them the- <laughs> It's not a movie, it's not a fantasy, you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing where people are like, are you kidding me? And they're like, Tom Hanks is part of this child eating group. And you're like, yeah. you, you, you cannot be serious right now. And to, you know, every time they sidestep, every time they don't, they dance around a stupid thing Trump said or did, I think it just brings them down. You know, it's oh, like, if you come out and condemn him and you come out and say, no, dude, the Constitution matters. And, oh, by the way, the 16-year-old told me yesterday, he's like, well, you know, with no Constitution, there's no Second Amendment, and that means no guns, so, you know, maybe that's the price the right pays for getting rid of the Constitution. You know, now you can't have guns either, because we'll make laws against that. But, it, you can't do these things. Like, it's like, I, I, I said yesterday, I'm like, it's almost like Trump is trying to do everything he can to not be president. He wants to run and he wants to have his grifting pack to get money because this is the best grift he's ever had. All he does is walk around and give speeches and people clap for him and he gets lots of money. Oh, by the way, when he has like Herschel Walker's name attached to it, gave him 10% of the total thing, kept 90. I mean, what a perfect grift. What an easy way to make a lot of money.
0: It is. it's the issue. And that was the, on the for, next one. i was going to bring up what this means for Trump. I think Trump has one goal and has had one goal for most of his life, and that's to be relevant. What he's finding is that he's not being relevant. His his new his mentions in the news cycle have gone way down. There's a graph that I think I saw from Washington Post today that showed how many 15 second spots he's had on various networks. Since he lost the election, it's gone like a right. It's like he's dived off a cliff. It's way down. It's down to uh, under five thousand total for everybody, and even and you know the, the surprising is that on these things, the lowest the one that mentions him is Fox News, which surprises me. That you know he was their poster boy.
1: But in some ways it doesn't. I saw an article yesterday that said that DeSantis is now ahead of him in early polling by five points. And prior to the election, he was up on DeSantis by 11 points. So that's, he's dropped 16 points. And like I've said multiple times, I don't love Ron DeSantis, but at least he knows how to act in public.
0: Yeah, he he sounds more intelligent. But you know, it's interesting about Fox News too, though, because Fox News is owned by... Rupert Murdoch. Uh, Rupert Murdoch is not even an American. He's Australian, I believe. Or English, I don't know. One of the two, but I think it's Australia. But, anyways. And they have have a big lawsuit against them from Dominion voting machines and others. And he's had to do a deposition. So I'm wondering if he's caught to Fox News and said, hey, let's keep this man off of our news cycles. So maybe it's safer for them trying to get out of this huge thing. Uh, I think without surprisingly, with a few exceptions, like Lindsey Graham, I think that there isn't much chance for him to be successful in it, in in, in, in trying to be reelected. We can only hope. I don't think there's enough people in there because I think they're going to drop as time goes on. Yeah. So, you know, Trump is is out. We can even end the discussion for for the moment for Trump anyways. Now, the next loser on here is Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Mitch McConnell has been able to, and he was able to postpone really setting up Congress two years ago. Because uh, setting up the Senate, because he was making demands, because they, they had to have power sharing, because they were in equality, they had to have the same number of members on every committee. They had to say uh, that the chairman, the vice chairman would be would be a Republican, the chairman would be a Democrat, but there's still be the same number, so it would be like an equality, and it kept the chairman of the committees from having subpoena power. Now, it's going to be an extra member. The chairman has subpoena power that cannot be vetoed out by, by the Republican uh, on there. doesn't even have to be Republican. doesn't even have to be the vice chairman of the, of the committee. It could be. It might be. It probably will be, but he's not going to have the power that they had before. So Mitch McConnell suddenly goes from having equal, almost equal power in there to not having the power. Second person is going to lose in that is Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin no longer will be a kingmaker on these things. We saw that Sesima was willing, willing to negotiate for things. So I think that it's a safer thing that maybe we can accomplish things. Maybe there'll be times when we drop the filibuster for more than court nominees. It's going to be an interesting time because I think we've got to get things going. So, do you have a what do you think about the Senate and McConnell?
1: Um, you know, subpoena power. I guess I don't know how that really matters to me, but what does matter to me is I just get it done. Get things done. Investigating the past doesn't get it done. It doesn't help the deficit. It doesn't help people get job training or whatever it doesn't build roads it doesn't do anything get the job done pass meaningful legislation that helps americans you know like that's what i would like to see instead of just we're going to investigate this and we're going to investigate that and i I don't want to get i'm so tired of grudge politics for the last six years where it's like this person did something wrong we're investigating this Like, meanwhile you haven't passed the military budget or you haven't done this or that there's so many more important things than investigating the past
0: well not to mention I I was going to mention it earlier the the point of that so many of the mega in the Republican Party buy into being victims that they are the victims in this taking their cue from uh Mr. T, and I don't mean Mr. T, the, the guy from, from the television show years ago. A team. Uh, yeah, the A-Team, thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, the, of that on there. One of the interesting things that would happen, and unfortunately it, 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 it didn't, Mitch McConnell, after he had said, put the blame for the insurrection, right at, at the, the feet of Donald Trump. What he did not do that made a difference was he did not allow a secret vote in the Senate. Had he allowed a secret vote in the Senate, I think there would have been enough votes to convict the former president on it. But nobody, everybody is still, still scared of it. So that's not good. So we looked at what it means for, the, for Georgia, we looked at what it means for others. What's this mean for the house GOP they're going to be kind of on left field I think
1: I think so too they don't have the majority that they were hoping to get you know the red wave is like a red raindrop and I you know when there's other when the house the house is you know has the Senate and they have to work together to get things done they're gonna it's gonna be almost like the Senate was 5050 again because the whole Congress is Essentially, th- this is Republicans, this is here. and it, it, to me it seems like the House very rarely got anything done anyway. Too many people well, too
0: much voting. And maybe what's going on with the frustration between the ultra right and McCarthy may be a benefit in disguise because there might be a few normal Republicans in there. It's not going and they're not going to be able to vote monolith as they did before because they're not going to all agree. So you never know. There may be a few of the Republicans that are going to join with the Democrats to pass meaningful legislation. The one biggest danger that we have, and I hope that it doesn't come to that again, but it probably will, is, is the brickmanship of bringing us to not allowing the debt ceiling to be raised. The one thing that we cannot afford as a, as a nation which would be even worse than the rail strike would be a default, mm-hmm. and that can that that could happen if they want to push it. I don't think there's enough Republicans that will go along with that uh, to allow it. I think they will join if they have to. I could be wrong. They could do it. They haven't done it yet, but I don't think it's 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 not a winning solution. If you're running, if, if the Republican Party causes default, it's not going to help them in 2024 getting a man or a woman elected president. It's not going to help them at all. So that that, that that's yeah. problemat- problematic. So it, you know, we've lo- looked at the election. We looked at the various people and the various groups and what they're going to do. Uh, and we, you know, so we spent like almost half an hour just talking about this. But there are just some major things. I'm going to do a little bit of reverse. I want to talk about yesterday for a moment. Yesterday was the 81st anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. I have a personal stake in it. My, my father fought in World War II. He was in the Army Air Corps. And he fought in the Pacific Islands and fought some really rough times. And he had some really uh, traumatic experiences in there. The people he discovered, he discovered mutilated uh, bodies of Americans. Um, I won't go into because it's not appropriate to get into how mutilated they were in what ways. But he did, and he had nightmares about that. Uh, He actually ended up with an ulcer and had to come back to the United States on a a hospital ship, and then he was shipped off to Germany for occupation duties after that. So they had it, but he was also slated to to go into the mainland of Japan had we had to invade. So you can say what you want about the nuclear bombs and everything to end it. They did end it before we lost millions or hundreds of thousands, if not uh, of our soldiers and sailors, uh, not to mention millions of Japanese would have died. Uh, it was a fraction of what would have died had we had to invade. Mm-hmm. But Pearl Harbor itself was a very unique c- c- circumstance because we did not get a uh, declaration of war before the attack. And we did not think they were going to attack here. We thought they were gonna do it in, and yeah. in, in that. But it's something for us always to remember key to the word is vigilant. We need to be vigilant. We were vigilant before Russia invaded Ukraine. We helped them be prepared for the invasion and we're helping them continue it. So it's again a vigilance and an understanding of what's going on because one of the greatest things that came out of this invasion, if there had to be any great things, is NATO is as powerful as it's been in its entire history. To bring Sweden and Finland into it is something else. Okay, enough on that. Let's look at a, at a big win for Joe Biden today. It's not the win that he wanted completely to happen, but it did. But it is a big win, and that is Brittany Griner is on her way back home, home to her to her wife, home to her teams and friends and everything in here, and just home to America. There has been some criticism because they didn't get this uh, Paul Weiland, who's been there, or Weiland, who's been there for four years. But they're saying he was a separate case, Uh Putin would not negotiate. I feel this is a de- definite thing when half a loaf is better than no loaf at all. To leave her there, particularly for two major reasons that they've discussed today. First, that she is a black woman, and prejudice certainly is in Russia. And even worse, that she is a lesbian. And she's part, uh, part of, of this, this big concern where they've gone, attacked. All people of, of the LGBTQ, um, there's so much in there now that with the plus at the end, I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but, but you know what I mean. The, the, there's so much of it on there and the prejudice is there and you can't even talk about it in Russia anymore. It's terrible. So it was, and sending her to a penal colony might very well have been a death sentence if he couldn't have gotten her out. So I'm very, very happy that Brittany Griner is on her way home and, and be safe before she was broken down so much that she wouldn't be the same person. Now we have to work to get other people out of out of these situations. Be they in Iran, be they be in Russia, be they be anywhere else in the world that don't deserve to be there. Some of these people deserve to be held. Some of them do they stu- stupid things, but they but that doesn't mean that they should be held in the conditions that they are in some of these countries. Yeah, like
1: I I also have a different perspective on this than a lot of other people. I know people are very critical and you know, don't think that we should negotiate in that way, but we did in Trump's notes that it might've been Obama's time. I can't remember what year that was now. It might've been Trump's time where Qatar helped uh, negotiate a trade. And we, we traded back uh, some terrorists, some Al Qaeda and some (laughs) Taliban folks. And, And I mean, and that happened, our, flight home was actually delayed because their plane arrived the same day that we were leaving. You know, and I like I said, I don't remember what year that was 2014 2016 it all they all run together. But, you know, we we do this from time to time. You know, I ran hostages, you know, you do what you can to get bring hostages home. And but then I think about some of the, to, the way that we've acted. You know, we talk about you talk about warts and teaching warts. Uh, There's torture in Guantanamo Bay. There's torture in Iraq and Abu Ghraib. So I think sometimes Americans get self-righteous about how our people are treated poorly in other countries and either don't know or neglect to remember that we're not much better. We say we follow the Geneva Conventions and such and military situations and other international treaties, but we don't. Well,
0: I I hope, and I could be wrong on this, I hope that these are still isolated incidents from people, that it's not accepted. When when this information is brought out, like in the algorithm there, but not so much Guantanamo, because that's a whole different circumstance, and I don't know enough about Guantanamo to say it, it is. But I, I will say one thing to bring up with what you said about Trading terrorists back. I'm not sure that's ever a good point, a trading point. Because I think that they're, they are so committed that they will, no matter what type of said, they said that they they won't go back to the fight. You can't trust them. Because they have been so indoctrinated in what they are. So I, I, trading terrorists to get, get hostages back probably isn't the best thing in the world. And we need to know how we negotiate. But there are circumstances when when we when trading. I mean, this guy was an arms dealer. We were trading back. Who never who said, "Oh no, no, I was just I was just a trader. I was not an arms trader." Uh, why is Putin so happy to get him back? Why Why did he want him back so much that he's willing to trade off a jewel, a, a, a real jewel, in the negotiations that people really wanted to get free? Mm-hmm. She he had, he had a lot of leverage having Brittany Griner in there. For such a, yeah. a, a minor offense, you know, and, and so it's it, yeah. Go ahead.
1: It was 2014, and it was five high, high-ranking Taliban members that were taken from Guantanamo to get uh, the traitor back that abandoned post whose name I will not say. Oh, I'm, that one guy yes. trying to save him. That was not a good trade in my mind, but that was Obama years. But I won't say anything more about that. That I I remember now. All of that coming back to me. That was not a good trade.
0: No, that that was that was not a good good trade. Um, if I remember right, did not Trump pardon him or something too? He may have.
1: Uh, I think he. It, hold on, I can was, look this up.
0: Because that 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 was that was uh, there's something more on that than than on there. Yeah, I mean, he walked. People
1: died.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, they're trying, trying to get...
1: To save him. Well, and this is... Trump called him a traitor. Well, no, Trump called him a traitor. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, oh my gosh, there's so much on here. No, Trump... <laughs> That's yeah, Trump dis- said he was a disgrace. Yeah, okay. Trump never... Trump, Trump and I agree on one thing.
0: Yeah, it, it was, and... It, uh, when people die to save you and then in fact that you've been to the other side, yeah it, it, that isn't a, that was not a good trade.
1: Uh, you walked away.
0: Let, let, let's look very briefly because Obama did a, did several wonderful things. Obama, like most of the presidents we have was not perfect. He came into a situation that was very difficult to begin with because he was the first black person elected president. He was a good man, he a very intelligent man. He did 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 some very, very good things. Uh we could look back to it and he he did a better job, that's what he got eight years in. He did a better job than Jimmy Carter, and yet Jimmy Carter was extremely honest and everything, but he wasn't he didn't have the, the, the toughness that I think a lot of people would have liked to see. And yet the the man is still alive and still doing things like building homes for a, a habitat for humanity and helping out with things well in his nineties. But I think that the expectations for Barack Obama were so high. And then when they, when, they, when things happened, like on the Affordable Care Act and how the Republicans attacked it and what happened in 2010, he was handicapped in a lot of things. So he, the, he didn't have the ability to do the things. And yes, he made mistakes. And I will even say the Affordable Care Act, the way it was done, was probably not the best way to do it. It would have been better if he would address the economy, and then when the economy got going again, and and then this I talk about. It. But that that's neither here nor there. But you're right. I mean, there there is mistakes. No president is perfect. But I don't think it, at the
1: time. I'm not sure at the time of the trade that we knew exactly what the circumstances were of his. Of you know, his we may not have. Capture. So it, it I mean, we don't like it. Might we may have thought we were actually getting somebody back, which it was extraordinary that American Taliban hands would still be alive. You know that's yeah, a very extraordinary. Mm-hmm.
0: And then uh, to finish up uh, on today, let's look at the the accomplishment of Biden administration in in and Congress and what they're doing, and that's the. I don't know if this official title for it, I call it the Marriage Protection Act, that the first good thing it does, it repealed the Defe- Marriage Defense Act. Mm-hmm. The Defense of Marriage Act, I guess it was actually called. And what it, what it has done is not go, all, go where it should or where it could maybe, going nationally, making it okay. But what they're saying is if you are married in a state that has, allows it, then, you are, you, then every state in the union has to recognize that you're married. Every state has to recognize it, which is a, a big deal, really, particularly with what we got in the Supreme Court, which we could go down that direction another time. So that, that's, a, that's a, a big accomplishment of, of, the, of the Congress, especially this is like Nancy Pelosi's uh, Sayonara uh, as Speaker of the House. And we'll talk about what that new Speaker of the House, what the new leader of the Democratic Party is gonna be mean because that is something special as well at another time. But th- this is a really, really, you know, uh, a big thing in my opinion that this was accomplished because it, it, it comes into point that it was a bipartisan act that they went through the Senate relatively easily and it went through the House relatively easily. I'd have to see the vote in the House See how many Republicans voted against it. But but we'll see. Any final thoughts, Karen?
1: Well, going back on that, you know, there are people in states where, you know, something crazy like eighty I don't remember what I saw, eighty-two percent of Americans either support or don't really care who gets married. And so that would indicate to me that people in states that are generally liberal, but they're Republican in Florida, perhaps, you know, Marco Rubio voted against it, but the state of Florida, I think probably the majority don't care. So that my only thing was finding out who voted against it and seeing what states they were from and then thinking about how they're not actually representing their state. If the majority of your state, the constituents in your state support something and you vote against it? Are you representing your state's and your constituents interest? Or are you representing a very small group that you maybe morally agree with? And that you're not elected and paid for your morals? You're elected what? and paid to represent your constituents?
0: Well, you can take one more, you know, you talk about 80% 92% of Americans support reasonable gun control. 92% including gun owners. The majority of gunners want reasonable, uh, reasonable laws for protection. But we've been going back. Knows what, to that means, yeah. knows well, what that reasonable. means, though? Nobody knows what that means. reasonable? Well, some of the reasonable things just minor things like having gun checks at gun shows and things. So you know, it's it's crazy. But anyways, um, thank you again for being this, we've had some great discussions today. And uh, thank you, listeners, for for coming back. And uh, thank you for listening to the first one. Many, many people already have uh, listened to Tuesdays or watched Tuesdays. So that's, that's good to know. So God bless you. God bless this great nation. God bless its legitimate leaders. And God bless
1: and protect our troops wherever they are. Thank you, and good afternoon.